Today, Smarties, you'll hear from Tanya, a mom of two in Washington State. She has become a big fan of the podcast during the time of the stay-at-home order and has even begun using the language of an educational therapist with her older daughter. Today, we mainly coach her through some questions she has about her younger daughter, Daisy. Daisy is a second grader struggling with reading, and once the stay-at-home order hit, Tanya dug even deeper and pivoted to find new and interesting resources. We recorded this in May of 2020. We coached Tanya through the next best steps for Daisy, and we can't wait for you to hear this one. We love getting to coach you, Smarties, and working two-on-one with you is one of our favorite things to do. If you're interested in doing some coaching with us, be sure to email us at rachelandsteph at learnsmarterpodcast.com. Now, let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 113 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Cap. And today we welcome Tanya. Hi, Tanya. Welcome. Thank you. Hello. So glad to have you here. So, Tanya, you're a relatively new listener of the podcast, but you're committed, as you were telling us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very committed. I've been binge listening since the stay-at-home order, so I've had extra time, and it's been more applicable now lately than ever before. It makes total sense. Now, I just have a question about listening to podcasts because that's actually been something that I miss in my life because when do I listen to podcasts or audiobooks? When I'm in the car. And we're in LA, so we're in the car a lot here. So I'm behind on a bunch of podcasts, which actually I'm okay with because then I'll have a bunch of content. But when in your day are you listening to podcasts? I'm just curious. So I definitely listen a lot doing the dishes, cleaning up. I listen, you know, when I'm getting ready in the morning, that's usually what I have going. And then I own a bookkeeping company. And so I'm on the computer most of the time. And so depending on what I'm working on, I'm also often listening to podcasts in the background if I don't have to just have music. Really focused. Yep, exactly. Right. Do you listen to podcasts on double time? Seen that setting and wondered, hmm, but no, I just listen. Oh, I do one and a quarter, sometimes one and a half. Yeah. It's interesting on podcasts. I'll listen at regular speed, but then with audiobooks, because I check everything out from the library with my audiobooks, I got to finish it by this date. So I'll listen to it faster. Try it. If you're like a podcast listener, it doesn't feel that much different at one and a quarter. Interesting. Anyway, enough about our love of podcasting, but (laughs) you found the podcast, you reached out to us, we've been corresponding, we invited you on. And so why don't you share a little bit about your family? What about the podcast was so interesting to you? Why it was so applicable for you and your family? Yes. So I have a 12-year-old daughter who is in sixth grade, so first year of middle school, and then also a second grader who is eight. So Summer is the older one, and then Daisy's the younger one. And in October, we started to get information that Daisy was in her class at her level with her testing that she was behind in her reading and that we were starting to see some behavioral issues. And so for the last six months, I've been just looking everywhere and talking and researching and doing different things like volunteering in the classroom and working with your teacher 
to figure out how we can support her in that. So I was mostly interested when I came across the podcast for the educational therapy part and how that might be helpful for her. But what I discovered really, really, really quickly in the first minutes of episode number two, which I'm very thankful <laughs> that I started at the top and was going through episode one, two. Oh, oh, interesting. I don't know that I would have been impacted as much if I had gone the opposite way. Okay. And the calendaring for me, I was in the depths of frustration and anxiety and not knowing anything about my sixth grader and middle school and what was coming at us because of the no school. And when I heard what you said about the portal during the calendaring episode, I was just like, I'm sold. I can't stop listening. (laughs) You validated everything that I was feeling, but I just didn't know. And then to know that if I keep listening and going, the idea is you'll give me tools and resources, right? To be able to not ignore the portal and just run away. And pull her out, which is what I was wanting to do, was like, I don't want anything to do with this. And that's what's been the biggest part. And then as I've been listening more, then of course now I'm finding things that are relating more to the second grader and different ideas that I can do with her and things that I can start now that I would not have even considered, even just having wording with her like about chunking and scheduling and things that will start to prepare her way in advance, you know, that I didn't do with the sixth grader. And the thing with the sixth grader is, is that she's the ideal public school kid, right? So she's not at one stream or the another. She learns easily in that environment. So in the organization part, wasn't setting her back. Mm -hmm. It was just until I got involved that I was like, whoa, how do you do this? Right. But the second grader is the one that, you know, I don't know that that's her ideal environment. We chatted off air for like 20, 25 minutes before we hit record, which is why we ask for like a little bit of an extra buffer time when we're recording. And I wanted to ask you if you were listening in order. So I'm glad that you answered that on air because I was just curious. We're 113 episodes into this. I don't know that I would have gone back to episode one. I mean, Steph, what would you have done in that scenario, do you think? Probably not gone back to episode one. I'm not a completist. I don't (laughs) care if I finish a TV show. If there's a book I'm not super into, it doesn't rock my world if I'm just like, this isn't for me and I move on. Me too. Yeah. And my best friend is totally the opposite. My other best friend, other than Steph, uh, Andrea, (laughs) and she'll complete things no matter what. And so it's interesting. I don't know. Smarties, email us and tell us if you listen from day one or if you listen from episode one. And now, Tanya, do you think we've gotten better? I was going to say, thank you for sticking with us (laughs) because it's not like you haven't improved, but you know, there are some podcasts when I start and you can tell their rhythm isn't there and it just isn't flowing the way that the newer episodes are. Mm -hmm. But I didn't notice that because I was so weirdly needing that content, but I did skip ahead because I've listened to the one that you did on the webinar, you know, with the homeschooling and and that. Mm -hmm. And still it all works really well for me. So 
right. <laughs> so I didn't notice it. Yeah. I like it. It could be that you were just rowing in the podcast with us because we definitely, <laughs> people have made it clear that <laughs> the earlier episodes are, Rough. are rougher. <laughs> just so everybody knows, as always, we'll link these couple episodes that we're talking about specifically in the show notes. I've already done it. So anyway, thanks for chatting with us about it because I'm always curious about how people come to the podcast and what about it sparks them and how they consume it so that's awesome okay so I have a few questions and then I would also really love it if you would share the story on air about summer that you emailed us about if you're comfortable sharing that story let's just jump to that would you share that so I think what you said earlier about being a completist Mm -hmm. I am I will finish the book even if it's horrible just because I need to finish it. Got it. So I was listening to one of the podcasts and you were saying that you give the kids the permission to pick and choose when it makes sense to not do an assignment or to look at the assignments and make a decision based on, okay, I have this amount of time. This one's going to have this amount of impact on my grade, for example, or my learning versus the other. And that really, really stuck out to me. And my sixth grader had a project that they'd been working on all year long and they were leading up to it. It was their history day project. And it was supposed to be turned in May 1st. That was their initial target. And then the teacher, I talked to her because my daughter was feeling overwhelmed about completing it. And I hadn't been able to get a sense of how to help her and the end goal and how things had changed since they were no longer doing it in class. And so it got to the point where the teacher sent an email on a Sunday at about noon and said, okay, five o'clock today, just do it. And I went back and forth and I thought, do I just tell her not to do it at all? That was my first reaction because I struggle with perfectionism. I didn't know how to help her get from where she was at to being able to have something in my head that needed to be perfect turned in by five that afternoon. And because I'd been listening to the podcast, I was able to like take a step back and go, you know, does it really matter if she's turning something in that she's already been working on? Mm-hmm. And all she did was just hit submit and she turned it in because it wasn't like she didn't have anything done. It was just in my head, it wasn't a completed project. And I told her that I said, you know, your teacher's given you another five hours at home and she could work on it and do it. I said, you can turn in, I'm giving you permission to just turn it in exactly the way it is right now and be done with it. Or you have the next five hours. But at the end of that time, I'm setting a timer and you're turning in what you have, no matter what you think where it's at. And she spent up until 4.30 and did it for the next four and a half hours. And because I gave her permission to just do it at whatever level it was at, then she could have fun with it. And she did turn it in and she got great feedback from her teacher. And I think that she probably also was leagues above what other kids turned in. And that it was my issues that were restraining her from, well, are you looking at the outline? Are you looking at these things? It was restricting her from just being creative. And she turned it in and she felt great about it. We had it off of the list. She got feedback from her teacher. And I just was like, this wasn't that big of a deal. And it was a really good learning experience for me that I feel like my issues were way overwhelming the situation and they didn't need to be. 
first of all, well done. Yes. And this is going to be something that I remember too. Steph and I both struggle with this. So when we're on the podcast and advocating for it, we're talking to ourselves also because we definitely want our clients to be putting in their full effort. If the school knows that they're working with us, sometimes we can feel like it's a reflection of us too. And so I recently had an experience with a high school client and she was turning in a paper and I was very clear with her. I'm like, I think this is below your standard. I don't think you're going to do well, but I think you should submit it. And I had to kind of check myself throughout that whole process as well, because really the learning moment in that whole experience, and we still talk about it, and she knew it, and she owned it, and she's like, you're right. I didn't ask for help. I kept telling you everything was fine. You were trusting me, like, because that's the relationship that we've had. And so when I actually looked at it, and our session started at 3.30 and went until 4.20, and it was due at 4 o'clock, I took one look at it, and I'm like, I want nothing to do with this. But I had promised her I was going to read it over. And then at 4.01, after it was submitted, I said to her, I'm never doing this again. So if it looks like this, that's fine. That's your choice. You're the student. I've already passed this class. But I don't like the feeling of feeling stressed out and knowing there's so much work. Having to pick and choose which feedback to give her instead of all the feedback. This is something that we have to remember in our roles as well. Steph, what would you add? I was just going to say bravo. Because sometimes you have to remember, especially when I'm helping students work on essays, they haven't learned all of this yet. Yeah. And they're not expected to know how to do it. And until they go through the foundation and the building blocks, yeah, you can't just tell them. It's not going to help. So bravo to you for taking a step back and remembering that your daughter's in sixth grade and she's only learned through sixth grade now. So she has to turn in and learn the feedback and figure out what's right for her. So the more that you can empower her to make those decisions, good or bad, whatever it ends up looking like, is going to empower her to be able to make confident decisions as an adult. And that's what you want. Right. Absolutely. This is how it happens for me when I spark new ideas for future episodes. But Steph, we could totally do an episode about how to parent, not about the content. Yeah. Because that's really been an interesting conversation that I've had to have with several clients. Don't get involved in the content because that's the teacher zone. Let them give the feedback. Let them do their jobs. Let them teach. Your zone is helping them stay attended to the computer right now. So like one of the things that I told the family and I told the school the same thing because I'm kind of trying to help everybody navigate this. It's like, look, you're allowed to intervene if it's something you can visually see in your child. You need to be listening to a podcast. You need to be listening to audio content so you can't hear what's being taught. But if you see your son off task, the only sense you can really respond to is what your eyes are telling you, then you can intervene. So true. But Tanya, what questions do you have for us? We had talked off air about making certain decisions about Daisy in particular. So in October of second grade, when it started to come up at school, it was based on behavioral issues. We addressed those really quickly with the teacher and they knew that we weren't okay with whether she had done work or not. And then when she was asked to come back in after lunch to do the work, 
she ignored that request. And that is not acceptable in our family. And there was consequences at home. And then she had to go to the teacher and apologize to them. Luckily, the teacher was able to immediately make it so that I could start volunteering in the classroom. And this was my sense all along, but I needed to be in the classroom to be able to figure it out because I wasn't shocked that there was behavioral issues, right? But I also didn't think that that was the underlying cause of what was going on. You got curious, Mm -hmm. which is what we always advocate for. Cool. 100% got curious. And fortunately, because I own my own business, I have the flexibility that I can make that happen. So I started volunteering in the classroom and she's in a kindergarten reading group. So they had the classes broke out into three different groups for reading and they're big groups still. So it's about 90 kids. She was coming into class being expected to take out her morning workbook, work independently, read those story problems or whatever vocab words for the week, be able to either just visually look at it and know from the past of what to do because she couldn't read the instructions or the directions. And the teacher was tasked with 25 other kids that are at all different levels of needing support. And so I could pretty quickly tell that the reason she wasn't getting her work done in class was because she wasn't able to read it and do it. And so then over the next months, it was, how do we work with this? And unfortunately, what had happened was we have amazing support with my family and my husband's family. And so we all just rallied around her and we were like, we're going to take it upon ourselves to make sure that whatever classwork she's not getting done during the day is getting done in the evenings, right? So they weren't sending homework home. And we knew that the reason she was bringing this work home was because she wasn't doing it during the day. Mm -hmm. Well, so then we're spending one to two hours most evenings getting her classwork done so that she was not getting her name on the board for missing work and she was not being held in at recess for missing work. And at the same time, they were saying, and are you reading with her? Are you reading more than 20 minutes a day? And my honest answer was, by the time we get through that classwork, so she's not missing recess, we are not reading with her at all period, let alone trying to get a minimum of 20 minutes in a day. Right. And we had just gotten to the point at the beginning of March where I was working with the principal and her teacher to get her tested and get an IEP in place. Because my hope was if she could not have to have all this classwork done that we were trying to get done in the evenings. You could focus on the reading. Which is the underlying problem. Yeah. Exactly. So the moment that we got the stay-at-home order and knew that they were not going to be back in school for six weeks. And at that point, we didn't know whether there was going to be any classwork or, you know, anything. Mm -hmm. So I researched and I found a program online that I felt would be a good fit for her. So she does seem to learn well with like an interactive kind of online program. Mm -hmm. And so I found one that was based on research and was adaptive to where she was at. And so we started that that weekend. And then 
we just put all of our effort, you know, so we were tracking how much reading she was doing. She was getting a minimum of reading out loud to everybody at least 20 minutes every day. And also a little bit of like other classwork as it came up. Did she like it? Mm -hmm. Much better. Right. So now we've taken away the pressure and she's only getting positive reinforcement from everybody about how well she was actually reading and getting practice. And then I had to advocate for her with the school because then I think about three weeks in, they wanted to start adding in other things, right? So they wanted her to be doing math and they wanted her to be doing these other programs. And I said, no, I said, I want this opportunity to be able to do what we're doing because we're seeing a difference. And I don't care if she's behind in math at this point, even if all she does well the rest of her life is read, that's the most important thing to me. And so we did that. We're seeing positive results. So where I'm at right now is I also signed her up for an online tutoring program that's available in Washington State where she works one-on-one through Zoom to focus on her reading. And then we're also questioning what the fall is going to look like, like you were saying, with school. And I feel like right now I'm kind of throwing all these different things at her and not necessarily looking at her learning style. And if I can get her back at her grade level and put her back into school in the fall, is that going to be the best fit for her? I don't know. I want to start by saying no decision is permanent. Mm -hmm. So let's just put that out there because if you decide that the right thing to do is to homeschool her for a while to meet her needs and she wants to go back into the classroom, then you can pivot. If she's really, really sitting there saying to you, I really want to go back to school, then you've got the summer to get her ready for the potential if fall goes back. So just putting that out there, I just want to know From the feedback you're getting from her, where do you think she's at? That's a really good question. She would prefer to be homeschooled, but I also think that she's really missing the social. And that's been a little bit harder because right now it's just not a traditional, like we're going to homeschool and then we're going to make up the social in other ways. Yeah. We're also don't be social because our current circumstances. Yeah. So I think that if she was getting the social even more and we were really making that a priority and she could get that, I think she would prefer homeschool for a while. Then I think there's your answer. It would make sense to me, given kind of the journey that she's been on in the last year. Your kid was in school eight to three, I'm presuming, and then coming home and doing two more hours of work a night. Right. Not developmentally appropriate. Not developmentally appropriate for a second grader, but it sounded like you were moving in that direction anyway of saying, like, this is not sustainable. This is not the underlying issue. And why are these worksheets really that important? Because I'm sure you're looking at this and looking at the work that she's getting and saying, we need to address the reading because all this other stuff won't matter until she can do it more independently. Have you seen progress in her reading independence? Absolutely. That's great. So our sense was that she was reading much better than she was. And then when I had the assessment done for the online program, Mm -hmm. they tested her closer to the end of first grade. So if the information was true in that three-month period, we might have been able to get her up a whole grade level. Amazing. Yeah. So 
which again means that she's thriving in that environment compared to how it was for her before. So if you're telling us that in two and a half months, got her full grade level, presumably you're going to stay the course over the summer. She might be at grade level. So that's the real crux of the issue. So I think it is realistic that we could have her at grade level by the fall. And we were talking off air about delayed reading. Reader. And Mm -hmm. I've heard of it now in the last couple of months, but I don't know what that means. I felt like there was more to it, like maybe the way that she learns, maybe she had a learning disability or something that was challenging. So can you tell me more about delayed reading and whether if we got her at grade level by the fall, would that possibly take care of all the things that we were seeing with second grade? It's a really good question. I want to offer a suggestion before we answer that question. Mm -hmm. We're at the end of May. I would like you to connect with the school and get some third grade curriculum. Okay. Now, let's say everything goes back to quote unquote normal in the fall. They're not going to be doing that because everybody's going to have to start at second grade level. But I think it would be really good for you to have that as a barometer of what the expectations of a typical third grader are. So if they can at least point you in the direction of the textbook so you can look at the textbook, because that will be informative for you as you're in this whole process. Does that make sense? It does. And for all subjects? I would. Okay. I would focus on the language heavy ones. I would focus on the language arts and whatever kind of history they're doing. Mm-hmm. It won't hurt to take a gander at the math, but like you've said, that's not your area of concern right now. But I just think in terms of making a really informed decision, that will be helpful with the knowledge that they are not starting with that third grade curriculum on day one. Yeah, there's no way they can. There's no way. There's also that summer between grades workbook that I have mentioned before. I think it's called Summer Bridge. Yes. And between second and third grade, you could get that one and see how she's doing. And that needs to be independent. That is how you're going to get your assessment on where she's at because she's going to be expected to do it independently because it's between second and third grade. Some of it is the second grade that she should be able to do independently. You're going to be able to know much better if she can and wants to do it. Okay. So the question about delayed reading, Steph, how do you think we should best answer that? There's no black and white, right? But I can tell you from my experience of being in second grade and forgetting how to read and being in the back of the classroom with somebody trying to help me. And it sort of set me up for a lifetime of, oh, I'm not that good at that. I don't know how to do that. Everybody else is smarter than me. Everybody else knows how to do all the things that I don't know how to do. So my experience was very shameful. You know, my mom didn't know how to help me. So it pushed me to try to do things better and on my own and whatnot. But I think that still to this day, takes me back to those moments I can see so clearly in second grade, sitting at the round table in the back and being ashamed of being the only one there. And everybody else got to do all the other things and they were so smart and I felt dumb. And eventually I caught up in second grade. I was in the top reading group eventually, but it seemed like it didn't matter at that point. Hmm. 
I have a couple of different thoughts because I also took a long time to learn how to read, which may just go to show that (laughs) our expectations for little people and when they start reading fluently might be too high. But given that Steph and I are both independent functioning adults who are both readers, by the way, (laughs) but a couple of thoughts. The first thought that I wanted to say is I'm really glad Daisy had behavioral issues. Mm-hmm. because the alternative would be you wouldn't have been able to intervene and help. And because of the behavioral issues, you got teacher's eyes Yep, on it. Yeah, Steph was not behavioral. And so it's easier for teachers to focus on something else. Yeah. I, on the other hand, did not know that I took a long time to learn to read. And my mom informed me as an adult. She's like, oh, it was so painful. And your mom's a teacher. My mom's a teacher. And it was painful for her to watch. And she said it just took forever. But I have no recollection of that. We had two very different reactions to it. I will say that even in our adult personalities, I have a stupid, dumb faith that I'm capable of things. Mm. So I don't know where it comes from, but I just sort of think this will work out because I always make things work out. Steph, don't you think that's kind of my attitude about things? Oh, yeah, for sure. So I do think personality plays a role into all this. What we can tell you about learners who take longer to learn to read is that it's generally not just the reading. Mm-hmm. The feelings that Steph has about reading, I have about math. And the irony of that is that I would say 80% of my clients were working on math at this point. I almost specialize in it. And so I think it's because I know that student experience. I had kids who were unkind to me about like fast math drills. Mm -hmm. Oh, you didn't finish like that kind of stuff. So it just manifested in something different later on. But again, I had a tenacity about me that I figured it out and I had parents who were willing to do what it took. I never ended up needing tutors, but I mean, so there was like a lot of that type of thing happening. Mm -hmm. The thing that we want to tell you is I don't want you to worry about even a year from now, because we always tell parents like go three months at a time. Mm -hmm. So focus this summer, see where you get with her. If schooling at home is an option, That means your executive functioning has to be on point. Mm -hmm. She'll probably be learning, quote unquote, less hours a day than she would be at school. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of what do you want her to be doing with that free time too. That is a lifestyle decision. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's any harm in researching what that would look like so you can make an educated decision in three months when you actually have to decide, right? Yeah. Even if she decides they can change their mind. Oh, totally. That's where I was going. You can start her in the fall and monitor it closely and have a backup program as your backup plan. Or if you go one of these ways, I would have her start and then shift to homeschool. I wouldn't have her start homeschooling and then shift back into mainstream. Okay. Until it's a makes sense point. So like totally fourth grade would make sense. Right. And then reintroduce at that point. So without necessarily naming any programs, do you have experience with delayed reading and how it could manifest in other ways later on with a homeschooling program or like a direction that you would point me into for curriculum or types of learning 
textbook versus online. When you think about like being a delayed reader and how it could manifest, is there ways to kind of combat that? Or is it just about their learning style, whatever that is, and it's not specific? There's no one size fits all. There just isn't. And one of the ways that I would suggest if you really want to get into what might work for your daughter because you know her best Mm -hmm. is some of the Facebook groups about homeschooling. Okay. There's a lot of resources that parents or people that have been in a similar situation as you or have a similar learning profile to your daughter. Right. That there's local ones, there's bigger ones. They will have more of the language of this to be able to better point you in that direction. It's also making me curious if such thing as like a homeschool coach exists. When you have questions about business, you go to a business coach. When you have questions about learning, you come to us. Why wouldn't there be somebody whose area of expertise is, and I just don't know that person because I haven't done that research. Look at podcasts too. Mm -hmm. I bet there are podcasts about it as well. Right. About how to make the decision, how to decide which program. I think you're being very, very thoughtful about this, but we haven't met her. So I don't necessarily even think that the decision has to all be around the reading. I don't know if you shared it on air or off air, but you said she's very kinesthetic. She likes doing. Yeah. So you could pick programs that are more aligned with that style of learning. Mm-hmm. They're out there. You're not the only parent who's ever <laughs> had to make this decision, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So there's got to be resources about it. It seemed like there was something where we could have her tested that would tell me more about what was happening in her brain. Like you were saying, when she's more tactile versus audio, you know, yeah. learning audible. I think if that's something that your family is willing to commit to and you find a really highly recommended practitioner up in Washington, then I think that might be a really smart next step. Mm-hmm. Agreed. For you all, I was going to suggest it before you brought it up because the questions that you're asking about what would be best for her a neuropsych or a clinical psychologist who does those sort of assessments, they're going to be the ones who are best able to answer those types of questions. Don't you think, Steph? Yeah, I think it'll give you a good overview of what she needs. And if and when she goes back to school, having the IEP set up and having that data is going to be very helpful for everybody. Well, do I research an independent practitioner that does neuropsych testing and finds them that way? Yes. You can also start talking about it locally with friends and stuff. You'll be surprised. People are going to know someone or we always prefer a referral from someone who has kind of experienced that themselves or has a family member. So I would go about that. I would also Google and then I would talk to people. Who do you connect with? Yeah. These are the questions. Have you dealt with this type? The answer is going to be yes, they have. Somebody knows somebody who's really good near you. Yes. And then are these tests, are they covered by insurance or is this something that you usually pay for out of pocket that has nothing to do with medical insurance? Unfortunately. Yeah, you have to pay out of pocket because insurance, it does not cover educationally. Okay. I know one person that can get a referral from the pediatrician for this kind of testing. And because the referral comes in, they are able to get it covered. This one office has it. Right. But I would say 
by and large, the people that Steph and I recommend and partner with a lot are privately funded. And then what is an average price that you usually pay? It's going to be different down here than it will be in Washington where you are. Okay. So once we have that done, if we did put her um, back into school then in the fall, would the school use that for doing the IEP? It's a very interesting question because we can only speak to what happens down in Southern California where we are. Yeah. But no. They don't have to. They don't have to. But in my experience, a lot of them will take it into account. Okay. The neuropsych testing is going to explore a lot more than the academic testing that the school offers. Mm-hmm. It just has a much wider scope. They're looking for different things. In LAUSD, for example, you can't assess IQ. The school is not allowed to do it. But down where I am, they do. They are allowed to do it. So it just depends on kind of what each district has decided their restrictions are and what that community has decided. I think you're on the right path, though, Tanya. Mm -hmm. I think you're asking the right questions. I think you're curious about the right things. It sounds like she's making progress. Yeah. That's really what you want to be seeing, especially with the given context of the world. She's making progress. Is she happy? Yes. Yes. And that was my concern that I don't want to miss that opportunity as she gets older, if that would be taken away, just her joy of going to school or joy of being around friends or realizing or learning, right. Her joy of learning. I mean, but I also would talk to her a little bit about what she's feeling. And especially now that she's honestly been able to experience both worlds. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, you can always ask them, what do they want? I love asking the kids what they want. Mm -hmm. They're not used to being asked. And by the way, you should preface it with, I'm still going to make the decision, but I'm curious. Yeah. Like, it doesn't mean you're going to get that. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Thank you. Are there any other questions that you have before we wrap up? No, I think this is exactly what I was looking for. And my guess is that even educational therapy services, until we know about her neuropsych test or what environment she's going back into in the fall, I don't really have enough information about whether that would be something that would be a good resource either, right? Oh, you can absolutely start ed therapy before you get the neuropsych testing. We don't need it to get started. We go to where the quote-unquote problems are. What's the area of struggle? Even if in the testing they've identified something as being really important, but we see something else impacting self-esteem, we have that conversation with the neuropsychs, and usually they defer to our best judgment on quote-unquote treatment plan. Okay. So you don't have to wait to get all that in place. And actually, and that therapist might be a really good resource for whose testing they like. Mm-hmm. With the online tutoring that she's doing already, could an educational therapist replace that? Potentially, yeah. Sometimes that sort of work, it gets complemented because we're always looking at the financial component of things too. If we were going to pick between ed therapy and an online program, we're always going to pick the ed therapy. And that ed therapist might have a recommendation too of not this program, do this one. Because it really complements how I'm guiding her. Okay, perfect. And do you think that that a new relationship can be done remotely as long 
is, you know, she's able to handle the technology. I have found, Steph has found that we've both started with new clients during this whole period of time. I feel like I intimately know these kids and have rapport established. Okay. Especially the kids that want help. If they're excited about it, they're just. They're all in. Yeah. Makes it even easier. I have already noticed, and I'll ask her more, but when she has a choice on the days when she does the tutoring program, which is face-to-face with a person versus now just the online self-moving program, she prefers the tutor. More interactive. It's more fun. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they're asking questions and having her drawn. Yeah. She can show them things, especially the little clients. I've seen their rooms. I've done a therapy in every room of their house now at this point. <laughs> Yeah. Get to meet their pets. I love it. Yeah. And their stuffed animals. I got an entire introduction to all the names and every stuffed animal and their first name and last name, actually, uh, a couple days ago. Very formal. They were clever. I I had to (laughs) say they were good. How old was the student stuff? He's in third grade. What if you had been like, they were a senior in high school? I've seen all the toys. I love it. It's a good motivating tool because you're like, let's do something first. And then in 10 minutes, you can show me. It's good buy-in. It's different currency during these virtual session times. Right. For sure. This is a huge help. Thank you. Oh, good. We're so glad. And I hope it was validating for the direction you were already going in. You got good mommy instincts. Yeah, you do. So trust your mommy instincts. Thank you. I think my takeaway is it's not permanent. No. Oh, no, no, no. Nope. Think about where she was two years ago. That wasn't permanent either, what she was struggling with two years ago, you know? Yeah. And she's already a different kid from where you said she was in October. And how lucky for her that this could all really get addressed before third grade because expectations really level up in third grade. And you've seen that with your older daughter, I'm sure. Yeah. I told her teacher how much I appreciated the fact that she brought it to our attention. And just like you were saying, you know, that it was a plus that it was behavioral, but at the same time, her teacher actually responded appropriately and notified us and gave us an opportunity to get in there and figure it out too, which she didn't have to do. So love that. Tanya, will you keep in touch with us and keep us posted on what you decide? Absolutely. Yes. Awesome. I love it. Thanks so much for coming and doing this on-air coaching call with us. This was so fun. Yes. Thank you. Thank you.